Welcome back to the Lift Podcast, episode number five. I am joined by our very first guest on the show, Rob Nittman. He was my, well, now that I've left uni, my kind of the ex uh, head of SNC at the uni. Um, and yeah, we're just going to go into a bit about his career, where he, you know, his, his come up a bit and uh, talk about his kind of future plans, maybe. And then we'll chat about um, how we think the kind of SNC industry slash the coaching industry or the state of it will change moving out of COVID uh, slash next year kind of thing, what things may stick around, what things may uh, be ousted and things like that. And then because it's Six Nations time and happy times for all rugby fans out there, uh, we're going to have a little chat about who we think is going to take it home this year and talk about the first round, which is today as well, which is exciting. So, Rob, uh, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. No, thanks very much for having me, mate. Honoured to be the first one. That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah big get some kind of medal or something, I hope. <laughs> well, I'll try and provide. Um, <laughs> just a quick one. Uh, Oscar cannot join us today, unfortunately, just for a few technical issues. Obviously, the um, challenges of remote recording nowadays uh, always brings up a few issues. So, But he will be back next week, um, so no, not to worry there. But anyway, I think we should get straight into it, really. Um, I think I'll just start with my first question, which is quite a broad one, I'm hoping, uh, is what did you, or when did you know, sorry, you wanted to pursue S&C as a career path? Uh, yeah, good question, actually. Um, <laughs> probably during my time at university. Uh, so I... I went to university in 2008, which sounds like a really long time ago, um, which it was, I guess, you know, but uh, I went there with the goal of becoming a, a rugby coach. I wanted to work for the RFU, be a community coach, uh, work my way up. And then um, my goals were to work within a sort of development academy kind of structure. Um, I'd, I'd had some exposure to S&C previous to, like prior to going into to uni. So we did a little bit of what we would call SNC at, at my college. Um, we had a our rugby coach was a was a semi professional rugby player, so he sort of exposed us to the fact that if we wanted to stop either being really skinny or really fat, we needed to go to the gym. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and then I I got to spend a week with Leicester Tigers during my time at college as well, which was really eye opening. But honestly, I had no idea what SNC was at that point, so it was kind mm. of pointless in a way. Um, which is a bit of a shame, but hey-ho. Um, so yeah, during my time at uni, I basically got more and more frustrated with the idea of becoming a coach. Um, the university coaching degree, which I did, sports coaching science, was was obviously very coaching-based, but it was all coaching kids-based. And right. that wound me up being somebody who wanted to coach like transitional age athletes and, and adults. So sure. um, I kind of just got a, bit, I got a bit fed up with it, got a bit bored of it, got a bit sick of standing out in the rain coaching a load of kids who didn't want to be there um, yeah. and started getting more and more into the science more and more into the understanding of um, you know being able to take an athlete from A to B physically and and I think it all just snowballed from there. Yeah no that's really interesting because I think I guess it's it's similar because obviously as, as, as strength and conditioning is you obviously can do it as a cup uh, post you know grad master's um, but obviously up until now i think it might be changing soon um they don't actually have many specifically you know strength and conditioning 
undergrad courses, right? It's all, you know, usually just go through either sport and exercise science, you know, uh, sports science coaching, all that kind of thing, or physiotherapy, and then you kind of move into strength conditioning after. Um, and I think it's quite a shame because obviously uh, I did the sport and exercise science and we got an opportunity to have SNC as particular modules in second year and third year. But even then it was very much like an introductory process. Um, and personally, I felt majority of the stuff that I actually learned was through CPD, like what we had going, um, you know, all the way through and still now, and also just kind of my own research outside of kind of, you know, uni time and all that kind of thing, just either scouring through YouTube, you know, just doing my own things. If I think, oh, there's this, this topic's really interesting. I'll look at a few papers on it, or I'll look at like just some random stuff on it from people who I know are credible sources. And I think that's where I learned a lot more of the kind of stuff. Um, cause again, I think the SNC that you learn at uni is very much kind of, I wouldn't say one dimensional, but it's very much like you're only there to really like coach a specific way, you know, in a way. And as you said, like, you know, you got sick of it because the coaching side, cause you, you were only, it was only kind of tailoring you to coach kids rather than coaching the kind of there's you know adults or or you know teenagers and that yeah. kind of thing um yeah so i think in a similar way like the snc stuff is in a similar to what, what that is um because you kind of get taught in a specific way and there's no real kind of there's no real kind of leeway there um which was a bit frustrating yeah. for me because i think there was a lot of stuff that i wished i kind of learned at that time especially with all the equipment and stuff that we had available um but we not we never really got around to it. Well, I don't know if the masters would be different. Um, we'll have to wait and see with that. But uh, yeah, I just don't know. It's kind of frustrated me I in that way. It can be part of the problem with an undergraduate course, and 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 like you said, there are some universities now which which see um, there aren't many. Uh, I think you could easily, I think you could probably count them on one hand, but if not, definitely on two. Um, and the University of Brighton are planning on opening one up next year. So the 2022 to 23 academic year, I believe. Um, oh, nice. Cause it got, it got postponed because of like COVID financial restrictions and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think largely an undergraduate course is putting you in a position to learn how to learn. And it's putting mm. you in a position to, to know, a lot of those courses like my sports coaching science one your sport and exercise science one it gives you enough of a little taste of little things that you're like i like this yeah. i don't like that and it gives sure. you the opportunity to divert and to specialize and i think that's quite important because if you go into an undergraduate course where there's there's one outcome if you don't like that outcome you're screwed yeah, so 100 you know, the the courses like yours and mine it, it gives you three four five six different outcomes so that you can say like okay i don't like this maybe i'll try that and if you don't like any of them then you've really screwed up <laughs> <laughs> you're in the wrong field <laughs> no, yeah, I had, that's, yeah that definitely. is very true i mean as i said like in after first year we got we got the opportunity to kind of pick what modules we wanted to go down mm. um i obviously picked strength conditioning in both third, second and third year and um but i didn't choose nutrition in second year because it wasn't really something i was very interested in um but then i got more interested in going into third year and that's when i picked it up in third year 
Um, so it was kind of, it was good to, to in that way, um, 100%, because you got to kind of mold your kind of learning around the stuff that actually interests you, which is very important. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's really, really important. And, and, and sort of um, going back to that, like, yeah, it, it gives you that, it gives you that ability to adapt um which which is key um yeah and i think one of the other things you touched on is kind of that uh, another potential restriction of a of an undergraduate or even a postgraduate course is that a lot of it gets taught sort of quote unquote by the book and yeah. so that's where you know you're saying the stuff that we do with the cpd is more applicable and that's because essentially that's my job role is to take what you're learning from the course and it give you an opportunity to apply it in real life because sometimes the stuff that's in the book it might work in the perfect scenario, but as soon as one little tangible gets changed, like you're, you know, if you don't have the ability to be able to put that into, into place and you're struggling. So that's, that's where yeah. I think that's where experience comes in. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, just for anyone who doesn't know what, what CP, what the CPD is, we're talking about basically when, well, while I was at uni and it's still going on now, um, Rob kind of led, a group of us, me, myself included, and other aspiring kind of strength coaches um, to kind of like weekly meetings. And we used to do some practical stuff, just going over loads of different topics within the kind of SNC world, um, looking at kind of more athlete specific situations and things like that. And it really personally for me helped a lot with my kind of like understanding and development going forward. Cause again, it kind of put everything into real perspective rather than just off the book. It was real application to real situations that you will find out in the field. And that was like so eye-opening and helped so much in terms of being able to think in your mind and actually apply what you learn from the kind of SNC lectures, which is very to the book, to then apply it to an actual situation, which is a completely different animal and can be quite difficult yeah. for some people. Um, so yeah, I yeah, thought I found them, you know, amazing. I'm, I'm glad you did because like you know and it makes me really happy when people say that kind of stuff and you know like ultimately for me it's something I feel super passionate about um and I actually remember my job interview for the University of Brighton I, I sounded like a broken record they kept they kept asking me like what are you passionate about as like CPD so what if yeah. you got the role what would you bring in CPD programs um and my question yeah. when when they ask you like have you got any questions I was like yeah like do you have a cpd funding pot for me to do my own CPD? like because yeah, i yeah. think it's like it's like you said if you've got all the information but you can't actually do it like mm. what's you're no good to anybody you know like yeah. if you're if you're a financial advisor but you're in 10 grand of debt then like, you can't apply your own principles then it's, it's no good to anybody and, and i think uh, like one of the things claire my line manager said to me when i got the job was you need to fill the gaps and you need to fix the things that the students can't do because somebody that year, I don't know who it was, so I, I can't name names even if I wanted to, but somebody tried to demonstrate a shoulder, uh, an overhead press by having the bar on their shoulders and pressing it horizontally in front of them. And so, you know, like for somebody who's been in a gym environment who wants to be an aspiring oh, SSC coach, you, you, she, she looked at me and was like, this is the problem that we need to fix. They have the information. Like every question they asked about the science was spot yeah. on. But yeah. as soon as they put it into application, they didn't have it. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. 
or challenge yeah. accepted. Yeah, no, I, that that is something I was going to say. It's like, you know, I think a, a lot of the time because stuff that we learn in lectures and all of that kind of thing is so to the book, everyone yeah. gets so into the science and into the process of how these things happen that they forget that it, there's actually coaching involved. And there's an actual yeah, like there's another human there's, on the other there's side. There's another of that human, yeah. <laughs> there's another human yeah. that you've got to talk to and actually explain this stuff to. Who and usually it's someone who has no idea or any really interest in any of the science. So you've yeah. got to almost be able to dumb it down, make it sound interesting enough to where they're going to put the effort in, and that in itself is a completely different skill that I think a lot of people who don't get the opportunity to get involved in kind of CPD work any sort of practical application early on really struggle with to develop later on because it's like they get to the point where they know everything but they get in front of a person and they freeze because they don't know how to talk to someone so yeah i think that's a massive part of cpd that really helped me in general in especially because when i went when i left uni i then started doing uh a lot before before the lockdowns and everything i was you know the yes kind of the snc coach for my club rugby club and I mean, as a as a young guy coming out of uni, I was, what, I was 21 years old. All of the people I was coaching were older than me. They're like, you know, so they're like men, old men with jobs, kids, and they're sitting listening to me, trying to tell them to to do tempo runs, which they hate. <laughs> so it was all of that kind of thing, that kind of you know, the experience that I got from the uni coaching to where you know I was able to kind of command them and be a presence that they actually listen to and actually be able to chat to them you know it helped a mass like a ton so good. yeah good and yeah i mean that's yeah the fact that you were able to go in there and and do that is is a tick in a box like that to me is success and mm. like you know similar from your year um i know she 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 left at the same time but was a year ahead of you so rachel went into a job yeah. um harry coates has gone into a master's and then gone into a job um ellen davies has gone into a job but there's a few other people who you're like okay like this is starting to take an effect um, yeah and that's that's ultimately like that's the proof of the pudding right so yeah fingers yeah. crossed it's working yeah 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 it, it, it looks it good resume so far <laughs> yeah yeah um all right well though, next question i'd have is um again it's pretty broad most of them are pretty broad which is a good thing so there's more to talk about um but it's what is your kind of favorite thing about coaching um there's hard to tie it down to one there's two but yeah. they kind of link in together right so yeah one the, the first is developing relationships um and the second is um identifying success so the the way those two come together is that if you've developed a relationship with the athlete and you take them to a place where they start achieving success it's that it's that sense of pride and that self that sense of self-satisfaction that you get when they want something like you've been a very mm. very small cog in the wheel that is them producing that display of athleticism right so like there, there could be a psychologist there could be a nutritionist there could be a sports coach there's their parents there's their friends there's their training partners whatever right so you're a very very small piece of this puzzle but nine times out of ten when an athlete goes on to achieve something the essence coach is one of the first people that they call and yeah. you know you get that you get that thank you message you get a pat on the back and it's you know it is an ego boost and everybody needs that now and then like you know we always talk about the ego in a negative way but every now and then we need that and 
and that's what I really, really love about it is that it's not about my journey. It's about theirs, but, mm. but they are intertwined and my journey impacts theirs and their journey impacts mine. And that's, that's what I love about it. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, yeah, it's definitely something that I can relate to uh, in terms of just from an athlete perspective, really more than anything is like, you know, when you've been working with a coach for like, you know, for an entire season, for an entire rugby season, for example, and you can actually like, for example, I'll give you, you know, the, was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year before and it was in our second, my second year. Was it? Yeah. Second year, we won the league and we got promoted up to uh, Prem B, which is, yep. I guess, would be the third kind of high tier in, in the Bucks, Bucks leagues or whatever. Um, and that was the year we had an incredible team, incredible, like, kind of like ethos, work ethic kind of thing. We were, we were really like kind of firing all guns blazing kind of thing. Um, but I think also it kind of went back to the work that we were putting in in the, in the gym as well with with the coaches like with james um and you on the on the brighton side and it was like you could tell that it was different to the year before and the year before that and and like you know especially and also in my third year it was different and we didn't do as well but it it, it kind of if you know what i mean it's like that work like that we put in there and the like support we got in second year from an snc standpoint made a massive difference in my opinion anyway uh because it kind of just allowed us i think uh well me specifically i think i got stronger i got faster you know i felt better in terms of like just general kind of athleticism i just felt a bit more snappy and i that was like a lot that i was working on so i can definitely relate to it in terms of like the impact that a coach can have on like an entire kind of season cumulative way really yeah, I mean, it's massive, isn't it? Because ultimately, but th there's an opportunity where, especially for you guys over at Eastbourne, right, where you're you're studying those degrees. So like somebody like yourself, in your third year, you started taking on some of that coaching and some of that mentorship of the younger athletes. And, and you're seeing it now, some of the, well, not, not necessarily now because of the restrictions, but we were going to see it now with, with some of the other guys, like Marcus and, and Oscar and those guys they've been through it for a couple of years they start to un understand it they start to take a grasp of it and they can take it on and that's all well and good but if you've got somebody ahead of that who's just pointing you in the right direction who just turns your shoulder slightly and says not there here yeah. and they can adjust that compass to where yeah. you're going in the direction you need to go and then you just yeah. let people loose and in an yeah, environment yeah. with especially with you boys like i've i haven't had much opportunity to get across there because i'm always tied to falmer mm. but from what I've heard from Hallam and from James, it, it's basically put them in the environment and let it loose because you, you guys yeah. create your own culture and that culture yeah. is a work hard culture. So we don't need to do that. We just need to yeah. like, you know, here's, here's the things to do. Here's your to do list, check them all off and I'm happy. Sure. Yeah. I think that was like something I was going to bring up to you really, or as a, as a talking point was kind of the kind of, at the kind of for again for anyone who doesn't know brighton is split into two campuses um all of basically all the sport campuses are in eastbourne along with kind of um, a few others but mainly it's just the sport courses um and then the other campus is the main campus in falmer um which holds everything else basically so um we basically had kind of separate uh snc sessions eastbourne boys there uh, brighton boys on the other so and yeah, again, as you said, like all of us 
in the Eastbourne side because we were doing sport courses, because we were, I guess, more sport-oriented individuals. We already had that kind of um, enthusiasm when we walked in the gym. Whereas I think in Brighton, it probably was a little bit different. You probably had boys there who just didn't want to be there, but they had to be there. Uh, I can name a yeah, few. Brighton's a challenge. <laughs> Brighton is, um, yeah, it, it's definitely a challenge. Because, yeah, because you've got you've got a very different personality type. Yeah, um, yeah. That, well, that's what I was going to say. Is like when we walked in the gym, you know, we wanted to like one up each other every time. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what it was, even if because I mean I wasn't never really gonna one up Marcus and Oscar really in terms of weight, but if it was something like when we were doing the little like conditioning circuits, if I could finish before them or anything like that, like that was like the one thing you know it that's but that was like the kind of culture that we kind of kind of built really was just like it was competitive but in a good way where we were pushing each other, um, and I think like it created like a really cool atmosphere, especially in those morning sessions because it's like everyone was just about buzzing even though it was like seven o'clock in the morning no one was like energetic at all but as soon as you go through the doors you was like it you kind of just transformed and you kind of like went into a little zone um and that's so yeah, that's another job that it's another job that comes in as part of being an snc coach is like you've got to find a way to get the best out of your, your athletes and so that could yeah. be you know motivational speech it could be an arm around the shoulder it could be a like fuck your ideas up mate like or it could simply be yeah like culture based like giving you guys the opportunity to do it yourselves um and that's all you guys needed whereas over at brighton yeah they 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 needed every now and then the carrot on the stick um, yeah. and sometimes they need a bit more carrot and sometimes they need the stick but the stick on the other side of the donkey because like it's <laughs> you know it, yeah. It, yeah it's just different types of people need different things and that's another thing that you enjoy about snc is is being or a coach in general anything i guess is is finding the right piece of the puzzle to fit the gap yeah so. yeah i think it's just that that challenge of ad- again ad- adapting to the situation to the environment really is it's quite rewarding when you get it right as well um yeah 100 percent. yeah well yeah um so yeah next one again is pretty broad but we'll go with it uh do you have any kind of aspirations um or like what basically what's like your kind of future plans um for like moving on into the future are you going thinking about trying to move up into the kind of elite level sport again i know you're working with the um brighton and hove albion um but anything within rugby or anything like that i've kind of got there's three or four potential pathways <laughs> okay this is <laughs> don't have to go into I it asked. in like as much detail as you want really so <laughs> yeah it's cool it's cool like there's last summer i basically had a bit of an identity crisis and i was like i don't know where i want to be or what i want to go through or where where i want to go to and it it partly came with having been furloughed and then coming back into work and and i did a mentorship last summer um sorry well it was from june until december with with collaborate sports which is run by dan Howes, and, and i had a conversation with him and i had a conversation with chris toombs um two guys who a lot of people in SNC will have heard of and if you haven't then google them um and they both said the same thing to me they like I, I spoke out my four different options one of them is professional sport and if i go down the professional sport route i would i would be a 90 10 split of wanting it to be rugby um okay. just because that's that's what i enjoy it's what i'm passionate about i love that environment mm. um the second option is um 
going down the CPD route and continuing to be a kind of an educator because I'm really passionate about sure. that. And I feel like yeah. without meaning to stroke my own ego, I feel like it's something I'm relatively good at. Yeah. 100%. The third one is is similar to that, but more down the lecturing side. So staying within an ins- academic institution and continuing to work towards um, becoming a lecturer. Again, kind of that similar sort of CPD type thing, yeah. but whatever. And then the fourth is opening a gym. And I, I know like, we had a conversation last week um, yeah. and it's something that I'm, that's been my long-term goal since I was about 22. And yeah. so that's like, I had these conversations with those guys, with Dan and, and with uh, Chris and with some of my family. And they all said the same thing. They were like, right, which of those four things would you regret never doing again? And I said, the, the one that I would absolutely regret not doing again is opening a gym. Mm. And the one that I would regret not trying is professional sport. I, right. can, I can forgive myself if I never go down being like a professional CPD person. And I can forgive <laughs> myself if I never become a lecturer, not bothered. Yeah. But the other two, I'm like, I need to, I need to give it another crack. Otherwise I'll yeah. never be satisfied. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I see myself going that way. Um, I'm, I'm putting a lot of plans together, sort of working in the background on, on the gym front. Um, mm. But it's going to be a long-term thing because yeah. I have no money and you need a lot of money <laughs> to open a gym. So Yeah, that's, and, that's always know, the issue, isn't it? When it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah. No, Plus, it's, it's it, in- it, yeah, who knows? It might not be the right time to open a gym considering gyms currently don't exist. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, we can get onto that a bit later when we chat about the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the kind of face of the gym industry going into the after this but no i think it's quite interesting that you say that because i think a lot of people's kind of aspirations are usually around going into pro sport right when they when they when they kind of go down the kind of snc route it's always like oh i, I want to get to a, be a head snc coach at my at this football club or mm-hmm. rugby club or whatever and i think a lot of people fail to realize how long of a process it actually is to get to that point um yeah because i and think what does that's it look one... like once you're actually there like a lot of people exactly. don't think about that like it's exactly so having been in that environment and, and you know like it never it never continued so so sort of stepping away like now you look at it and it's it's a really really it's quite a selfish endeavor hmm. um because you look at like my time commitment currently to the university like i get paid a relatively average wage it's, it's better than some but it's you know it's all right like i only need one job it's 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 okay yeah but and the the biggest perk of it is that i work like in theory i work seven and a half hours a day mm. and it's you know fairly set in stone and we have a good amount of annual leave and you can take holiday when you want it and you you can accrue um time in lieu and all that kind of stuff so like a lot of perks yeah. on a professional sports side there's a four-week window of the year where you can take your holiday because that's when the players are in off season yeah if you don't take it then Good luck trying to fit it in anywhere. You're screwed, else. yeah. <laughs> you're out of the house by seven. You're you're not back until late. When you're back, you're probably still working. You're working on the weekends. You're like, yeah. you know, and it's you're traveling all over the place. Like it's it's very very stressful, and it can be very very stressful on a lot of people's families. Um, yeah, and that's I think something which not a lot of people understand when first thinking about going into pro sport, they see the glamorous side of it. They see the people lifting trophies and you get to walk around in a kit and you yeah, train yeah. this big fancy facility and you get to lift yeah. once there too. But 100%. there are downsides. Yeah, no, I think, I think definitely that is something that, you know, 
I can relate to in terms of just like being coming, just coming out of uni and uh, trying to weigh up all my options and things like that. It's like, you've got to start thinking about that kind of thing because it's stuff that can really affect your life going forward. Right. It's like, yeah, there are, to be fair, there are obviously there are people who are willing to make that sacrifice. And if you're like really up for it and really want to make the pro scene work for you, then go for a hundred percent. But it is, yeah, as you say, it's very, it's a very strenuous lifestyle um that you've got to be willing to kind of basically put your entire life into um for it to work in my opinion really yeah um, but i think like you said like it can be like if i was ever so that's one of the routes i still still want to try to go down and if i ever go down that route it'll be in the development transitional age groups like that's yeah that's where i'm really passionate sort of 16 through 21 22 those are the guys i want to work with or girls um, yeah because i think again slightly selfishly and and slightly from a from an ego point of point of view you start to see the most benefit at that age because they're starting to really get it they you start to see the biggest athletic transitions and you start to see the biggest behavioral transitions um and you see a kid turn into an adult and that can be incredibly uh, incredibly rewarding yeah Um, 100 percent. so yeah if it ever happens that's the way i want to go nice well yeah um and then again another one this is my last question thank thankfully <laughs> but it's um who are i guess your kind of biggest coaching inspirations past or present um whew, that's a good one <laughs> i tried to tried um, to put some thought into them <laughs> yeah no i like it it's really reflective um so <laughs> i think from the past every coach i've ever worked under i'm a big believer in that every experience can you can get a good you can get something good out of every experience right so some people like i'm Mm. not going to do that because it could be bad it's like but even if it's bad you can learn something from it you can learn what to avoid you can learn what not to do and that kind of stuff so um what my first my first really heavily impactful coach was one of my high school PE teachers because he was massive on developing relationships and like you walk in the room he had a massive smile on his face and he made everybody light up so like that's that mm. was a big learning curve for me um my second was my coach at college who again he just he introduced us to this level of professionalism and he he got us to understand uh what it was like to work hard mm. um then at university not really necessarily coaches but some of the boys that i was training with so like one of one of my close friends spencer um currently is the head of snc for western force out in australia and like he yeah yeah mate talk about like he's (laughs) he's bounced around in a few different places that's a great that's a great gig that (laughs) yeah he's really landed on his feet he he knows his stuff as well like he's he's super clued on um yeah but like yeah he he helped educate a lot of us as players because he'd um, gone through like some ACE and academy systems at Worcester Warriors. So he had a bit of a grounding there um, and he helped give us an understanding of what it should look like. Um, yeah. Similarly, one of Spencer's mates and my mates, uh, Mike Hill, uh, again, he, he actually got, I think he sat on the bench for a few premiership games. I don't know whether he ever got a premiership cap, but like he had a wicked work ethic and again understood snc but then moving more into the professional realm all of the guys at quinn's 
So at the time you had John Downs was at the top, uh, Gaz Tong, Adam Bishop, um, uh, Ed Lee and Tom Batchelor, mm. and Tim Hall was on the academy side. So all of those guys had a massive impact and continued to have an impact. I was still in touch with all of them, um, some more than others. Yeah. Um, and more recently, I think uh, Dan Howells and and Toomsey have, have been really, really impactful for me. Like Toomsey, again, on the, on the building relationships front, like I went to one of his events last year and when I, he sort of like teased this little thing on Instagram and it was like, send me a message if you're interested, send him a message. And like five minutes later, I got a phone call and he was, he was like, the whole point of this event is that we want to get to know people. So why would I send you a text when I could pick up the phone? And that to me was like an immediate, okay, like, that's yeah. that's really cool that's really awesome and dan howes since i've been doing his mentorships has just been like just phenomenal but like his ability again he looks more at the interpersonal skills the, the soft skills the the ways that you can connect with an athlete even though he's a phenomenal coach who's in charge of like the, the rugby sevens program for the olympics and all this kind of stuff like he, mm. he's a he's shit hot but yeah he's great at the the background stuff that most people forget yeah i think yeah I that is i was going to say like that is a lot of the time just the stuff that gets like forgotten about you know it's that it's those like interpersonal skills that really like make a difference because like i think looking like going into the uh, being quite fresh into the industry like trying to get into it you, you can see everyone kind of knows the same stuff essence like the actual science of snc doesn't change everyone just says the same stuff maybe in just slightly different ways but it's around about the same stuff. But what makes the big difference is just how people act around the athletes and how people act around the people they're coaching. And it's the ones that can really, you know, one relate to the, to the athletes really well, can kind of transfer that information that they have in their brain to the athletes in a way that makes sense to the athletes and in a way that, you know, the athletes can use to kind of motivate themselves you know, and just being a general, just nice person, I think it's just such a big yeah. thing. Because you get some people Massive. who are, you know, they get their, they get the degree, they get the masters, they get the accreditation, they think, oh, I'm shit hot. Oh, I, I know everything under the sun. And it's like, they're just not that nice of a person. And, you know, it, you know, I think that's quite a big thing, just in general, in life as well, <laughs> just being nice gets you way further. Um, 100%, you know. 100%. And that's something that, so Damsey, who was the head of SNC at Quinns whilst I was there? He um, he always said to us like there was a big family thing at Quinns. So the remaining guys who are still there now, every every member of the SNC team there had previously been an intern there. So like you kind of had to earn your stripes, so to speak. And mm. part of that culture for him was he was like, you need to be a good human first. He was like, I don't care if you come in and you don't know how to do the job. I can teach you that. I can teach you how to do the job. Anybody can do this job. But if you're not willing to be taught, if you're not willing to learn, if you can't have a conversation with the player, then there's no home for you here. It mm. was, you know, he was like, if you come in and you think and you know everything, but you're you're a terrible person, you're not you're not going to get the job. I, I don't want you. <laughs> and and yeah. that, that was really, that's something I've taken forward. Like it's, and it's something you see a lot of, like now, having been in the industry for a few years, like you go on conferences or you, you go on a workshop and you see the young practitioners, they're asking the, a lot of the time, this is a bit stereotypical. So like 
again, take it with a pinch, but a lot of the young practitioners are asking the, the direct science questions like, if this yeah. happens, what do I do here? Like those kinds of things. Um, whereas the more experienced guys are, if somebody has said something, they're either digesting it and trying to find the faults to throw back out them and not just take their word as gospel, or they're asking the more that they're asking the deeper questions. They're yeah. there to find out the, the, how does the process work? Not what is the process? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, well, I think that just, again, it goes back to that whole thing of, you know, at university, when you're learning all this stuff, it's very much to the textbook. And you get in again, that's why I think probably when you see a load of like the more younger guys coming fresh out of uni, fresh out of their, you know, getting accredited or whatever, they're still very much to the textbook. And a lot of their, I guess, their kind of mannerisms and their kind of way of life, I guess, way of coaching is all very much like scientific based. Everything has to be 100% backed by this study. This hundreds of studies say this is the best way to do it. And it's like, okay, yeah, cool. But there's another guy who's been in the industry probably like 30 years who does the same stuff who doesn't need to say that all of this stuff is backed by science because they just put it out there in a way that makes it so much more kind of i guess or just so much easily kind of translatable to a lay person yeah. you know someone who just doesn't really know anything about it um so i think that's so a very really good the, point there's like the two spectrums right so the first one is like when you're new, you think so. The, the Dunning Kruger effect. But when you've, when you know nothing and you think you know everything, is one side of the spectrum. And then you like you go up on the spectrum, and then you come back down. And on the so you start by knowing nothing, and you you come high up in the middle. So like an yeah. inverted U sort of um, hypothesis. At the top, you feel like you know everything, but actually you know nothing. Whereas at the bottom, you feel like you know nothing, but you actually know everything. And yeah. then, on a, like similarly to that new practitioner you're trying to prove your worth so you start throwing everything complicated at the board right you're mm. like right let's do we're going to use a conjugate system we're going to use bands and chains and we're going to like do french contrast and then our our conditioning is going to be based off heart rate zones and we're going to use a velocity based measure and blah 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 yeah. and then you've got old boy tommy in the corner who's like how about we do five sets of five and <laughs> we leave it at that and it's yeah. like you know you, you start to learn what works and and again it's just it's you know it's just time in the game yeah, knowing 100%. that you don't have to overcomplicate it like it's, nobody cares yeah yeah no yeah i, I agree 100 i mean i'm starting to kind of realize that like i was i kind of fell into that trap i guess if you call it you know trying to make everything really scientific and really like have a massive like backstory to why i'm doing this thing right like this is in my own training as well and it's like Recently, I've just been like, fuck it. I'm just going to do a five by five every week, increase the weight slightly each week yeah. for six yeah. weeks and see where it gets me at the it end works. of it. And it's working. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, whoa, if it it's works, working. who cares? Exactly. Because yeah. it's it, it, as much as like, I, I'm a big fan of like, um, there's a guy uh, on Instagram, Craig, Egg, Craig Edwards. Um, he's an American okay. guy. And I think he, he, he kind of specializes more in uh, either volleyball. Um, snc which is quite interesting but he's very yeah. much he does a lot of like really good stuff and he's a very big firm believer of like just keeping it simple like all his videos you'll just see the guys doing like bulgarian split squats and sled carry sled pushes sled drags all these kind of things and it's just like simple mm -hmm. stuff that just 
works and it just you know you don't have to make all these random new exercises up <laughs> which you just see more and more now with all these functional fitness coaches and all this absolute bs that i just hate but hey if it's bringing the followers in that's all they care about really isn't it exactly and that's where like for me i'd rather be successful with the people i'm working with and not have very many of them than have loads of people following me because like I've created something crazy or, or whatever. Like I literally, I've, I never have a look at however many people are following me on Instagram. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you how many likes yeah. I get on my posts. It does not bother me. All I'm trying to do is put good information out there that like is going to educate people because then mm. people can make a better decision for themselves. I think as practitioners, we need to remember that like, like we're there to, to leave a long lasting mark on someone. Right. So that long lasting mark, you want to be a green tick. You don't want it to be a red cross. You don't want to put mm. somebody off of, of somebody else in this industry just because you've been a bellend. Yeah. Um, 100%. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I think a lot of people are in it too much for the, the short lived fame and not the long term, long term yeah. success and long term yeah. like relationships that you can develop. That you can develop. 100%. I think that's partly down to the kind of, issues that social media is kind of bringing up now it's just like everyone just wants followers on instagram and it's like you see it all the time it's like you get all these people all these coaches you know putting out these random like single leg like weird balancing act bloody unilateral bollocks and it's like what are you doing here and it's like they have this massive thing with like one article that's like suggesting it's actually slightly beneficial and they're calling it that and it's like it just blows my mind but that is a completely yeah. different topic for that could last an entire another episode of a podcast to yeah, be fair. yeah. <laughs> let's not start ranting yeah 100 percent. um but i guess yeah we can kind of move swiftly on to kind of talking about what do you think the kind or how do you think the state of the you know snc industry is going to kind of move out of covid how do you think it's going to move out of covid do you think it's going to be beneficial for it or do you think that it's you're going to kind of I don't know, see some sort of detrimental aspects come into it because of it, because of COVID and all that kind of thing. I think in the private sector, I think it's going to absolutely boom. I think there's going to be a lot of people who I think gyms, gyms are going to do really, really well. Like I know a lot of people have now outfitted their home gyms or whatever, like, you know, mm. you've got weights at home, I've got some kettlebells, but there's, there is 0% down in my mind that when gyms reopen, I'm going back. So yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be in the same boat, especially those who haven't invested in equipment or don't have the space to or whatever. Yeah. So I think gyms will be fine. I think then private industry guys or private sector guys who are working with, with members of the public. So like your, your Joe blogs who plays a bit of rugby at the weekend, wants to get fitter, faster, stronger. I think the trainers who work with those are going to do better because more people are going to be, valuing their time valuing their health so like me like you know rugby's just been taken away from me so i want to go like rugby comes back i want to perform the best of my ability so who can i get that can help me perform that way so that i can make the most of playing rugby again so i think that's going to go really well on the flip side i think it's just something that that uh toomsy spoke about actually is like it might potentially go further towards um having people as like a contractor right or having people uh i'm trying to think of the other word consultant i can't think 
consultant bang it yeah that's the one perfect yeah. so like me like for a, a semi-professional rugby team i could be a consultant i can tell them the right things to do i go in i check up every month or whatever it might be at the higher level as a consultant it might be that they hire an snc professional who goes in on the two days a week that they want to do gym or the two days a week they want to do speed or they want to do conditioning or whatever it is and the rest of the time they're not employing them to be sat around um you know like why have i think some clubs are going to look at it as why have a guy here seven days a week when the stuff that is of real value that he delivers is only done twice a week yeah you know so i think that they'll i, I mean you know it, it could be completely the opposite where they're like well no we still really value s and and this is kind of shown even more so how we have to value it yeah um, because of injury resilience and all that kind of stuff but yeah, I think that could be a way that particularly lower down the scale. So like maybe not premiership, but maybe championship, maybe yeah. um, sort of National League One underneath that. Like that's mm. where you're going to start to see those guys who they go in a couple of times a week. They're not there full time. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really interesting, to be fair. I haven't, I didn't think about it in that way at all, really. Because um, I, I could see, I could see that happening. But then again, it's like, as you said, like the kind of, covid has made very much so like highlighted the importance of injury prevention i think because if you even look at i think i remember you said the stat we were doing a cpd meeting um and you said a stat what was it on about the, the nfl, NFL was it ankle or, or hamstring injury uh, achilles achilles injuries achilles. yeah they've, yeah. they've had a, the highest amount of uh, achilles injuries ever in nfl history this year yeah and i mean that just that just itself goes to show the how much of an importance you know coming back into a program after a massive period of time where you've been not able to do any training how important it is to kind of have the correct individuals there leading the teams on how to you know or you know providing necessary kind of programming that will help them strengthen those weak areas especially like achilles hamstrings that always are probably some of the highest kind of injury rates in you know NFL rugby especially football all them kind of things. Um, I think it's really important. Um, so I hope <laughs> I hope it doesn't go away because then you're going to just see so many more injuries. I think in professional sport, which then ruins the the whole you know the whole viewing aspect of it because all the best players are getting injured. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean it's. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm looking at the stats now. And, and so the number of Achilles tears, so the highest, the highest points was uh, week one of the, of the competition. So yeah. Um, yeah. Like you, you look as soon as they actually got back to, to full training and, and, and actually playing games, that was the highest that they've ever had in like yeah. a recorded week. So it's, yeah, that's crazy. That's actually crazy. I mean, it's, it is mental. Um, but I think another thing that I was going to bring up was, do you think that obviously, and I know now a lot of kind of teams and organizations and stuff, um, and a lot of even public gyms, like gym chains, are utilizing, you know, Zoom calls like this or kind of online, you know, um, gym sessions, uh, you know, especially like the more, P, the more kind of PT side of coaching and stuff is definitely utilizing mm -hmm. it a lot more now. Um, do you think that will kind of bleed over into the kind of industry even post-COVID? Or do you think it's something that, you know, might, will probably just get 
kind of shift to one side when the when the gyms open up and you can kind of get back to one-to-one slash group classes i think it will be i think it will be a mainstay now i think there's a lot of people who like the idea like you know there's there's certain people who just do not want to go to a gym and that's mm. just you know whether that be because of the social pressure or because they're you know they're not an outgoing person are quite introverted or you know they don't like the environment or whatever the case may be right and i think a lot of those people will continue to train from home and they'll continue to do zoom because i think it has been really beneficial for a lot of people because it's it's something that we hadn't necessarily explored to the extent where we've now had to and because we yeah. managed to make it work it's it's made you realize just how successful it can be yeah but on the flip side i think a lot of people who were going to the gym who've reverted back to using zoom i think as soon as the gym is available again they'll be there because it's a social yeah. environment and like it's all well and good us talking behind a screen now but it's not the same as being in person and yeah that's, no 100 you know for a lot of people the the gym is i heard it on another podcast i was listening to earlier like it's it used to be like back in the day going down the pub for a pint that was your social thing yeah whereas now a lot of people the gym is the social thing because yeah they're not only going there for the physical health benefits but they make their friends there yeah um and all those kinds of things and i think a lot of the people who are sort of somewhere in between who they weren't a gym goer but they've now got an understanding of just how important their health is i think they will become a gym goer yeah 100 percent. i do think yeah i mean i agree with everything you said there to be fair i mean i think it would probably personally, I think it would probably be a good idea that uh, it kind of stick around just because it gives those people who are introverted, who don't like going to the gym, it still gives them an option um, to get involved and stay healthy. And I think that's massive for in terms of like, you know, this kind of general, you know, wider populations of like the country. I think it'll be massive just to keep people involved with exercising. Because I think a lot of people, as soon as the gyms will come back, it's like, I don't know, I, I those kind of people will probably drop off because it's like, oh, the gyms are open, everyone's going back to the gym, no one's going to be around for these Zoom calls, whatever. So I think keeping them in will be quite beneficial. And also for those people who can't or don't have time to, you know, leave the house, if they've got work commitments, family commitments until like late in the evening, they can jump on a Zoom class and get some exercise done, you know, and still stay within that kind of social sphere. So I think that in that way, that's something that's been massively beneficial for people over lockdown, because loads of people working from home. And it's like, they want to get out the house or do something other than their work. And it's like those zoom, yeah. zoom, zoom classes can be really, really good for that. Yeah, I mean, it's just an escape mechanism, isn't it? And, and it's, mm you know the the health benefits aside like there's so many other there's so many other things that that are good from from exercise so yeah i think uh, it'll be interesting but i do think i think people who are working off of the zoom sort of system i think they're going to be fine and i think people who are opening gyms or reopening gyms i think they're going to be fine as well i think more and more yeah. people have been scared to death by the fact that if you are an unhealthy person you are more you are more likely to be hit by things such as COVID. And obviously, yeah. whatever the stats are, don't care. Don't argue with me about it. I'm not interested. But like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the the better you keep your health in general, the less likely you are to be hit by any of these things. Like All-cause mortality yeah. is decreased by regular exercise. Fact. 100%. So, yeah. you know, I think people have started to realise that. 
Yeah, no, that's, yeah, it's such a good thing, I think, definitely for just general health. I mean, just getting involved in exercise. Me and Oscar have been preaching it pretty much every episode. <laughs> and we we always end up going back to the just the just go out there and get fit. Like just go out there and just do some exercise. Doesn't it's, have to be complicated. Doesn't doesn't have to be, have to be complicated. Yeah, it just you know, it's just good for you. And uh, there's not much anything. There's not really much more I can say on it, really. Uh, and we've got more options than ever before. <laughs> like you don't have to lift weights. Like, yeah. you know, if, if yoga is your thing, wicked, go do yoga. If Pilates is your thing, if Zumba is your thing, if going for mm. a walk with your dog is your thing, I, I, like, whatever, like, do yeah. you. 100%. Um, but have something which keeps keeps that big red thing in the centre of your chest healthy. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise, otherwise we're on struggle street. Yeah, 100%. Mm. I think that's a good way to um, kind of wrap, wrap, wrap that up, really. Um, yeah, cool. That was a really good, really good, really good conversation. I found it really interesting. Um, but now we get into the real conversation. Rugby. <laughs> the quick, the quick rugby um, prediction. So, who do you, I'll give you my. I think France are gonna take it away this 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 cup this 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 See. time. I mean, I they they've they have had a big resurgence. I definitely think. In the past, like couple of years, they their team has gotten so good. They had a really, really good um, young pool of players come up from the under twenties, under twenty threes, uh, who have now like pushed into that starting team, and they're looking dangerous. But again, yeah. with France, I think it really is just down to who turns up on the day. You can get a France that can beat New Zealand, or you can get a France that loses to Georgia. You know, yeah. so <laughs> it's really down to that. But I do think this time around they will uh they will do the number on everyone else see i think i'm i'm with you in terms of like they have they've got better and better and i think the best thing they've done in the past two years is bring in sean edwards who has made a massive difference to their defense because as soon as their defense got mm. better because it was always very unstructured like they they like the unstructured attacking play and it works for them fine like their attack is always on fire but their defense mm. is that's what's always iffy and so yeah. as soon as they brought in somebody who's added this structure, like that's where their game has changed. I think yeah. from my perspective and my opinion, I think I think England are gonna win it. Yeah. Purely no, because I, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> I think you know. I think England will win it, but purely because we're not playing France first. I think if we were playing France first, France win. Um Interesting. because there's a few people in our squad who haven't played for a few months since the end of the Autumn Nations Cup. You know, that's a good point. Saracens guys mm. and that kind of stuff. I think they're going to have a couple of games where they're going to gradually level up and level up and level up. Yeah. But I think by the time, by the time it comes to the end of the tournament, I feel like the the foundation that England have, and the core players that England have, I think they've got the nous to be able to deal with France. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree in that in that way. I mean, I that's a really good point. To be fair, bringing up the kind of lack of play that they've all been exposed to leading up to this something i haven't really thought about to be honest um yeah it's a good point i mean phew, it's going to be interesting i think it will definitely be between england and france 100 yeah. percent. i don't think any of the other nations are really kind of at that point at this at this time really i mean italy are never this year italy are never going to do anything unfortunately um and then wales wales have have been on a rubbish form recently ireland yeah. nah they're just not looking about anything. And then uh, Scotland are, again, similar. They never really can crack that kind of top tier 
um, of the kind of France England aspect. I think so, Scotland. I think Scotland will be will be better this year than last. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Gregor Townsend has forgiven Finn Russell when they finally got some attacking spark, and their, yeah. their forward pack is good. Um, they've yeah. got a few injuries in the front row, but apart from that, it's it's decent. Mm. Ireland will be there or thereabouts. Wales are gonna like if if they haven't fixed something quite drastic since the automations cut, they're gonna struggle massively. Yeah, they were poo. Yeah, and they were not good. <laughs> Liam Williams isn't available. Josh Adams isn't available. So like those are two of their most dangerous attacking threats who both can't yeah. play. And you're, they did yeah. bring in a uh, Reese Zamet though. He's starting, which is interesting. Yeah, but he was. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. To be fair, because he's he obviously had he's had quite a lot of hype. Um, and we haven't really seen him on the international stage properly yet. Yeah, so he's got absolute be good. wheels. So yeah, yeah he should be interesting. He's rapid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, no, it's yeah, it's good. I think I'm I'm really I'm I'm excited. It's always a good time for a rugby fan. This this mm. uh, Six Nations. So I'm 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 all for it. Yeah, um, I and I guess like Guinness. Yes, hundred percent. And just to round off, um, so we've got the four games today. I think it's. Uh, Italy, France. Uh, well, no, I don't think they're all today. Maybe tomorrow as well. One, one of them's tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Then you've got England, Scotland, and then Ireland, Wales. So who out of... So what do you think each game? Who? I mean, I guess France are just going to win against Italy. Yeah. I can't really see that not going the other way. What about um, Wales, Ireland? I think Ireland win. Uh, I think the only thing that's on Wales' side is that they're back in the Principality Stadium again. Um, the problem with that is that there's no fans and the fans in Wales are absolutely insane. So I think yeah. in a rugby term, they're the best fans in the world. And I think like I think the Welsh national team are massively buoyed by that. So um, that's their only saving grace is that they're playing at home. But with no crowd, I don't know whether, I don't know how much of an effect it will have, whether it will be enough yeah. to stop Ireland from winning. Yeah. True. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ireland. Okay. Yeah, I I I I would I would say Ireland as well to be fair. I mean, I'm I, we're doing the um fantasy rugby this this mm. time. Um and I've I've backed Ireland in, in that regard. I haven't backed Wales at all really this 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 round, so. And then I think I think England Scotland will be a good game. I really yeah, do. I think I think, I think Scotland will give us a really good run for our money. Um I do think we will beat them. Um, but I think it will be close because yeah. I looked at our squad that we're putting out and it's not the strongest that I've seen. And, no, you know, so it's they, interesting. We've got, we've, we've, yeah, it's an interesting squad. We've got a few boys in there that obviously haven't had much experience at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think is uh, Johnny Hill starting at, at, at lock and then we've got yeah. Ollie Lawrence who I thought was pretty rubbish in mm. the um, Six Nations last year. He was very quiet. With the lack of a of a big ball carrying, like with if I think if Joe Cock and the singer had come back into form, like, yeah. they would have put him on the wing and they would have kept a Ford Farrell Slade or something like that. Yeah, or a, or a I Jonathan think Joseph, I think but I they think that, that's our somewhere. I think that's our kind of best backline when you've got Ford and Farrell both on the field with Slade in it, Slade in at, um at outside centre. I think that's our best attacking kind of set up there well 100%. when there's no Manu yeah if Manu's yeah, yeah. around if Manu's around things. then yeah yeah it changes a lot <laughs> yeah um which is a shame that he's he's not around really at the moment which is annoying but 
Yeah. Hey ho, we'll just have another to. Achilles. We'll have to see. Another Achilles. There we go. Another Achilles. Just the bane of any athlete's life. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was really good. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, Absolutely, mate. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on, being the first ever guest for the show. Um, I'm very. Might be able to. Thank you. Might might bring you back at some point soon. Who knows? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm always happy to chat shop, mate. Whether it be rugby or whether it be S and C or something in between, I'm always happy. Yeah, unreal. Right. Um, yeah, that's not. That's all from us today. Um, I will leave uh, Rob's Instagram in the description, so you can go and give him a follow if you do not already. I presume most people already know who you are who listen, but if you don't, uh, go and have a look at his content. He'll post some really good stuff. Um, and yeah, we will catch you in the next episode. See you later.